this week, why phone ghosts terrify me, and the Chuck Manson rumor related to a very haunted place in the United States. Now, instead of starting with my own personal stories and thoughts, I'm going to come to those in a moment, but I actually wanted to start with an outside story. Now, I found this one last week, and I was looking at it, and I thought, okay, this one really resonates with me. I just read the first little bit. I didn't go too far into it, but for some reason, I have always been terrified of the idea of ghosts communicating through the phone. Now, I don't know if this is different, if I'm the only one that has this massive fear, uh, or if, if I'm not alone, if other people also have this strange and odd fear. So something about using the phone as a way to communicate to ghosts. So I have this story here. It is titled, A Call on All Hallows' Eve. And this story was originally published in the Daily Independent. It is out of the state of Kentucky. And it's related to the phone. So I haven't pre-read it, just like I do with uh, the strange news segments. I don't pre-read. I want to be surprised in the moment. But I do know what it is about the phone. So that's all I needed to hear. A Call on All Hallows' Eve. This was written by a man named William Pollock. It was a dark and stormy night. That's a perfect way to start it. No, really, it was a dark and stormy night. Halloween night many years ago. I was working as the overnight front desk person at Shaker Village near Harrodsburg, Kentucky. As if the brilliant display of lightning, the booming of thunder, and torrent of rain wasn't enough, the village was going to make for a very interesting night. I should add that there have been tales of ghostly sightings and other unexplained events of which I had on occasions heard things that gave me goosebumps. My shift became quiet. My shift began quiet innocently. I went about my regular duties and was close to finishing up when it all started. I received a call from a guest, asking if I was trying to get a hold of him. No, I replied, apologizing for the inconvenience. Another call, and then another call followed shortly thereafter, asking the same thing. I assured them the call was not coming from the front office. I apologized, but not before asking what the call was like. They said it was just static, and no one said anything. Ugh. I mean, as I said, I mean, that's usually the case with these strange phone calls. This is Daniel talking, not the article. It is usually the case with these strange experiences that you will not get a voice coming through. It's not like the horror movies. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a related story about that after I'm done reading this. But it is mostly just either dead air or some type of static, but it just doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't consider it. There's some kind of factor to it, such as in this case, multiple people getting the same type of phone call from the same location that William was sitting at. There's another factor there that gives it that ghostly spin. So they said it was just static and that no one said anything. It was then about 2 a.m. when another guest called with the same query, but now there was agitation and understandably so. I decided to investigate. At the time, Shaker Village had an old PBX phone system, like uh, landlines, which required the inserting of a phone cord 
to make connections to a location. Also, it's not just landlines. We're talking about the uh, olden days. Uh, if you see in the old movies with the, them switching the switches, like an operator physically doing that. So they have that. Um, so I watched the board, and as you would expect, nothing happened. And then I got a call. I answered quickly to the sound of an eerie crackling of static. No one was saying anything on the other end of the line. I disconnected the call only to get another one moments later. I then noticed the call was coming from the smokehouse extension. Okay, so the smokehouse was a small sandwich stop at the entrance of the village. I knew someone I knew someone could be there and among other things making these random random calls. The storm was still howling outside. I was pretty sure the night watchman would not want to go out into the storm since he was asleep in the other room. <laughs> so dedicated. Then another call started ringing from the same extension. I was able to mute the call, cutting off further communication. I was angry at the disruptions which the guests were enduring. I was upset at how it was affecting my night shift. I would report it in the morning. The early morning crew arrived. This is where the spin comes. And they asked about my night. I told them about the calls and the angry guests. They all received a complimentary breakfast to say I'm sorry. When I told them where the calls were originating from, when one of the ladies gave me a startled look, she said, the smokehouse is not there. They tore it down earlier this week. Another cold shiver crept into my spine. Who could have made those calls from a building that no longer existed? You decide. And remember, it was all Hallow's Eve. This is uh, William Pollock. That's who wrote this. Actually, very beautifully written. I don't know if the independent, um, uh, daily independent uh, helped him with it, but that's uh, that was very easy to read. I enjoyed that. Definitely not as scary as I hoped, though. Now, I had my own personal experiences with uh, the phone and ghost communication. Now, I don't think the, the first one I'm going to mention has nothing to do with, uh, I don't know if it was ghostly. Uh, it was when I was a child. Uh, my dad, he called uh, to order us pizza. Now, we knew there was a new Pizza Hut going in not too far from us. I was a huge fan of Pizza Hut when I was a kid. Uh, the greasier, the better. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the original one. <laughs> the one that, you know, if you weren't a kid would probably give you a heart attack. Uh, so we, there was a new one that was going in and uh, he called because we thought it was already open and somebody answered the phone so he, they answered the phone pizza hut how can i help you and he, he put in the order and it all seemed legit i mean the order was put in we we went into the car we drove over there and when we got there it hadn't been built yet it's like it was just um like the space had been it was something before that it wasn't a brand new building but the pizza had hadn't been installed there's no workers the building was empty so i don't know my assumption is that it wasn't ghostly and that uh it was probably maybe one of the construction workers just playing a joke but we showed up uh we didn't use a credit card so nothing was charged but it was just an interesting experience. I don't know if it was ghostly. I'm going to say that. But I've always asked the question, why does the idea of communicating with ghosts over the phone frighten me? And I, I thought about this a bit. I, I'm not 100% sure. I haven't come to a complete answer why. But 
it's something that the idea that when you when you talk to somebody on the phone you think of them actually existing in another location that when i was a kid there's horror movies i couldn't tell you specifically which one where oh it might have been creep show i don't know but there was a like a ghostly phone call and it uh, seemed to be coming from a cemetery and that just scared the living crap out of me and so the idea that when they're talking like if you're talking to something on the phone that it is existing in another location that you know could be connected with its corpse with its body and i found that very frightening but even the idea that a loved one or somebody you know or just a random out of the blue experience that something is contacting you from whatever it exists i think that's the part that scares me because when you think of a ghost in a haunted location i mean it's you're thinking of it as physically there residual energy aside but you're thinking of it as physically there and i i can know that the the spirit's in front of me or that it's watching me sleep or whatever and surprisingly that doesn't scare me because it's there but if it's calling it's calling from someplace else or maybe it's just the idea that it has the ability to reach out and contact me from wherever it is that it's frightening to think that that's possible i don't know uh, if anybody else has some thoughts on this if you share the fear that i have please do let me know ghost guy daniel on facebook or gg daniel at ghostwalks.com shoot me a message i'd love to hear it but i'm definitely not the only one to have these types of experiences and i'll give you a couple here so the one uh, is an experience from niagara on the lake and this is from the house if you've been on the tour or if you've heard about it you might have heard of this house it um, reaches out to the guests so it causes cameras to act funny and uh, so certain photos that come through uh, are interesting you might get orbs you might get mists you might get figures in the windows but also it causes the cameras to malfunction but one of the main stories that surrounded this house had to do with a phone call and this is going back years and years ago and uh, the the hospital that's located down the street from the house a 911 operator got a call in the middle of the night and when she answered she said what's your emergency and it was just dead air she said hello a couple more times and uh, the policy is to send the medics anyway so she you know looks up the address and is the address of the house i'm speaking of she sent the medics so two medics showed up to find the house completely closed and completely empty it was an art gallery so they leave thinking the thing's a fluke until the next night same time exact time as the night before the 911 operator gets the call same dead air same house same two medics show up same empty building it happened for about five nights straight so an entire week and at the end of that week it stopped happening and i believe it hadn't happened again after it currently the house has been abandoned for about six years something is occurring with it now i'm not sure what's going into this haunted place but it'd be interesting if more stories come out of it but there we have the idea that the spirit of an empty house a very haunted house we believe it is a woman haunting the building uh, was able to reach out 
and actually bring people to the location through the form of the medics coming to see that everything was okay. Now, the one experience that stands out the most in my mind happened uh, not to me personally, but I was there to witness it. I was there to also witness the look on the woman's face who it happened to. And I will never forget, I mean, I knew it was a legitimate experience just because of that look and the way that she shared it with me and the group. So we used to do ghost walks at a location in my home city. It was the original custom house to the city, a very haunted place. Things happened all the time. And it was at um, the beginning of a tour night that we were in there. We also did investigation nights there. But this was a tour night. And one of the things I enjoyed doing when I wasn't leading the tours at this location is I liked uh, just talking to the people who came a bit early. So we'd all gather in the gallery. This is one of my favorite things to do. And we would just back and forth. I would tell experiences from my life. And in return, they would share their experiences. So I was doing this with a group. There must have been about 20 or 30 people waiting for their tour to start. And as I'm talking, a phone rings, a cell phone. Now, it's not the best situation when you're, when you're doing an experience. I have never said to any of my groups, turn off your cell phones. Because to be honest, I, I personally don't care if a phone rings. It doesn't distract me or anything. And if anything, I find it funny. If it's a silly phone ring, I can work it into the tour and make a joke. So I just leave it alone. So I didn't tell anybody to turn off their phones. So the phone rang, and I just, as usual, ignored it. I continued talking to someone, and the woman picks up the phone. Now, she wasn't being disruptive. Don't think her a bad person. Uh, but she picked up the phone very quietly, uh, said hello, and then said nothing. Now, normally I'm used to hearing the whispers. Like she's talking, saying, oh, I'm on a tour, please, you know, call me back later. But I didn't hear any of that. So I was curious. So while somebody was talking there, I kind of just glanced over at her and I could see that she didn't look very happy. She looked a little bit disturbed. So once the person was telling their story, it was done. I, uh, I said, excuse me, um, sorry, I just I have to check something here. And I, I switched it over and I asked the lady, uh, what happened? This, something doesn't seem right. And that's when she said uh, what had occurred. Now, it was her, her daughter and a bunch of her daughter's friends that were sitting in the gallery at the custom house there. And she said that she got a call from her house. Now, I thought nothing of it. I thought maybe, okay, it's your husband, or if you have another kid's calling you to see what's going on. And she said, no. She said nobody was at the house. So she gets a phone call, and her call display says the house. So I said, well, what happened when you picked it up? She said, I picked it up. I said, hello. And there was nothing. It was just dead air. Now, I know this could have been scarier if you like heard breathing or a voice said, I'm in your house. Something you might see in a horror movie, but if you listen to my show before, you know I subscribe to the fact that the most legitimate ghost experiences are also the most subtle. So true ghostly experiences are subtle in nature and not something that you would see in a horror movie. But needless to say, for her personally, and for me, because of my own personal <laughs> views when it comes to 
ghosts calling you on the phone, that was absolutely terrifying. To get a call from her empty house while her and her daughter and friends and nobody's home and have it just be dead air. I I can only imagine when she got home how carefully she walked into that house. Because to be honest with me, I probably would have rented a hotel room for the night. (laughs) I probably would have not gone home. So to kind of wrap this up, um, I really don't 100% know why this stuff terrifies me. Maybe somebody, if you communicate with me, let me know um, how you feel about that. But if you do communicate with me, do do not call me on the phone and pretend you're a ghost. (laughs) That's all I'd ask. But uh, do come to me. uh, Let me know how you feel if you do agree with me and why you think it is so terrifying. Because, to be honest, I haven't fully figured it out. Now, I have one more thing for you. Another segment. But it's not a, a original segment. It's not live in the moment now. Uh, what I'm going to play is the audio from uh, uh, what I like to call a live read. So I have opened up the Ghost Guide Daniel YouTube page. I am so very excited about this. So the, where I'm, what I'm going to put there is I'm going to put the audio for these shows, uh, among other locations. But exclusive to the YouTube pages, I'm going to be able to do these segments. So I'm going to have live reads where I read articles and experiences and then give my reaction to them. You can actually see my face uh, and I'll, I'll actually be able to show images and videos off the computer. I have that, I have that technology. Uh, so I'll do that. I'll do strange news segments. And uh, what I'm looking forward to the most is I'll start interviewing people. So I'll have actual video interviews, which will not always be featured on the podcast. So you won't always get that audio like I'm going to do now. But this is the beginnings of the YouTube page. So if you like the show, um, please show me that love. Support me. uh, Go over to the Ghost Guide Daniel YouTube page and subscribe. Watch the videos. I really hope you enjoy them. But for now, we're just going to do the uh, audio read. And then after that, the show will just be done. But uh, thank you so much for listening this week. Coming up is the audio read here in regards to an article that was written, uh, the Chuck Manson rumor in relation to West Virginia Penitentiary. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Was Charles Manson ever at West Virginia Penitentiary? I was thinking about uh, what would be the best live read to start with, and I saw what better than one of my own articles? Sounds very conceited, I know, but personally, it is one of my favorite locations. Now, it's not Canadian. I know I should be Canadian. I should be proud of my heritage, uh, but it's just a sad fact in the world of the paranormal that some of the most haunted and best haunted locations in the world are in the United States. And on top of that list, in any most haunted list place, most haunted place list would be West Virginia Penitentiary. Now, I've personally been there twice. I visited uh, also Mansfield Reformatory, uh, Rolling Hills Asylum. I believe that is the list of major haunted locations that I've been to. And out of the ones that I've been to and the ones that I've heard of, West Virginia Penn just tops it mostly because of its violently dark history. Now, I'm talking 
on the level of a horror movie. In fact, you could take the history of this prison, put it into a horror movie script, feature the location, and I, I would definitely be one of the one of the first people to watch watch that movie. So um, it just made sense to start with that location. So what I'm going to do here, I'm just figuring out the technology. As I mentioned, this is my first video, so if I mess up a few times, please forgive me. All right, so what I'm going to do here is I have an article. So this is uh, Charles Manson. It's a small article. It's interesting to me uh, because Charles Manson, of course, you could probably make the argument that he is the most known serial killer in the United States, um, made even more famous by the Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, which he wasn't really featured that much. He was in a cutscene as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this is a this is a rumor that was spread around West Virginia Penitentiary that Charles Manson was an inmate there. It's not the case, and in fact, they'll be the first ones to state this that this uh, interesting looking fellow that uh, he was never there. And in fact, there's a letter to prove this. I don't want to give any spoilers. I'm just going to go right into the article. So, titled, Charles Manson was never in West Virginia Penitentiary. I was very straightforward with that. I don't want any confusion. And also why people think he was. Now, some say the infamous murderer, Charles Manson, once stayed at West Virginia Penitentiary. He didn't. But his connection is strong through his mother, Kathleen Maddox. Now, I'm just going to pull you and have a look at her. This is what I actually love about the uh, live reads, the fact that I can show you pictures and show you videos as we're, as we're looking at it together. But Kathleen Maddox, so there's a, not a happy looking woman, although there's a, there was a photo I remember. I don't know if this article has it. There's, there's Chuck at a young age. She's 14 years old. Where is it? Oh yeah, look at that. Look at that smiley, happy fellow. I wonder where it would happen. Where he went where he went wrong oh it's not here okay uh i'll, I'll try and remember i'm gonna search up there's this photo of him um his brother or sister and the mother together and it's just like the most normal photo but this photo here no, doesn't do doesn't do the happiness justice he's obviously a very angry woman yeah, that's my guess i assume she was in prison Oh, here it is. I actually put it in here. So as a, as um, there's Charles, Charles Manson. There's there's actually Kathleen Maddox. Uh, some people said that I guess she was very young. She looks like uh, his sister in the photo, and that's actually Charles Manson's grandmother uh, in the background there. So that's his mother. Strange. And there's West Virginia Pen. So Manson tried to get into the prison because he wanted to be close to his mother while doing time there for while the mother was there for armed robbery. So he mailed a personal letter to the warden, uh, Manfred Holland, in 1983. This really isn't that long ago. Uh, he was careful not to mention his mother. He didn't want to make it too obvious. So he talked about uh, living with his aunt and uncle in, I should have looked up how to pronounce this, Mc, Mc, McMetton, McMeckin, McMeckin, uh, pronounce pronunciation. McMeckin? 
Mechan, I don't know. McMechan. McMechan. All right, I was right. I was right. <laughs> so, yeah, so in McMechan, West Virginia. Um, he, so he lived with his aunt and uncle in that town in 1939. And uh, that was while his mom and dad served five years. <laughs> so, so I guess uh, there's a history with him in West Virginia is what he's trying to say. So the letter continued. I don't have the entire letter. Uh, but I just, I, I picked out a couple of interesting quotes. So he said, I was raised, and yes, he spelled it with a Z. Uh, I was raised in McMechan and Wheeling, uh, which is the capital, and worked at the racetrack under Big Bill and Charlie Stoneman, who put them big stones at the prison and on the road. Now, this, the, the prison itself uh, was built back in the 1800s, so this is probably going way back uh, at the time that he was living there. So Manson ended the letter showing himself in a positive life, light, if that's even uh, possible with such a man. Uh, he said, I am a good worker, and I give you my word, I'll start no trouble. I've been in prison uh, hallways over 30 years, and I have never lied to you. It's an interesting way, interesting way to put it, he's never lied to him. He is not saying he hasn't lied to anyone. I'm sure he's lied to plenty of people <laughs> over the years, but he hasn't lied to this uh, warden Holland uh, ever before. And that should count for something somewhere. I tell you, I mean, I read this and I, I think that uh, Charles Manson, he was obviously a very charismatic man. Because even just reading this letter, uh, the fact he spelled the word wrong, he's uh, passing himself. I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he's doing this on purpose, uh, passing himself off as a regular man. You know, he makes mistakes and he, uh, oh, he knew somebody local, uh, Bill and Charlie Stoneman. Uh, so that would, you know, endear himself to somebody who was local uh, in West Virginia there. And uh, to say that he never lied, you know, that he would be respectful to the warden if they allowed him to come there. Uh, yeah, never never mentioned his mom, though. But he goes, uh, goes into that instead. He's trying to charm the man, which, I don't know, I find it charming. I dare say I find that letter charming. It's strange. But warden, uh, warden Holland... Uh, was a serious man, maybe not a local, maybe not able to be charmed, but he very simply said, when hell freezes over. That's it. I didn't cut that out of the letter. <laughs> From what I heard, the only message he sent back to Charles Manson was, when hell freezes over. So I guess uh, Charles Manson's reputation preceded him. So that ended the chance of uh, him ever coming to West Virginia Penitentiary um, for his mass murder. Uh, but the, the letter was kept, and here you can see, here's an image of the letter, which is now hanging in the museum, uh, West Virginia Penitentiary, beside Old Sparky. Now, Old Sparky, if you don't know, is a electric chair. Okay, so it looks like it's just a, it's just a regular term for electric chairs. Um, but I want to see the one in West Virginia so you can see a picture. There it is. So here's old Sparky in West Virginia. That's in their museum. So uh, people were executed in this chair, which just amazes me. I mean, this is, uh, this is what I like to call dark tourism. Other people have obviously used this term. It is not mine. And uh, dark tourism is a big thing. Uh, to haunted locations. So, yes, uh, Warden Holland denied 
Charles Manson. He wasn't allowed to come stay with his mother at uh, the prison. And that is the story behind Charles Manson never being in West Virginia Penitentiary. Now you know for sure. Tell your friends. Spread the word. It's just a rumor. Uh, this is uh, Daniel as in Ghost Guide. Thanks for watching.